The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is your United States of America. Welcome to another episode of Turnbuckle Talk, powered by thegorillaposition.com and a proud part of the Roar Network, presented by the Hitting the Marks Podcast Network, and now in association with IndiePW.com. We are sponsored by CollarAndElbowBrand.com, where you can get 10% off when using promo code JKPODCAST at the checkout, and in partnership with HypeCityVapors.com, where you can get 15% off all your e-juice for your vape by using promo code JKPODCAST. We're found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching at TBTalkPod. Listen to us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcast, CastBox, Spotify, and all those other podcatchers out there. As always, I'm Carl Carafel. And I'm Big Joe. And welcome, everybody, to another episode of Turnbuckle Talk. Big Joe, what do we got today? Well, we have something special for you guys here. This is, well, not the first time that we've done this, but uh, we're going to actually be calling this episode Hitting the Turnbuckle because we are not alone this week here, Carl. We are joined by, first of all, my my cohort, my partner in crime over at the Hot Tag WrestleCast, Mr. Richard Bronson Vickery. How are you doing, sir? I had to come up with a, a special intro for the day here. So it's me, it's me. It's that W to the W to the E, <laughs> Richard Bronson Vickery. As I understand here on this run, I have been giving the the hefty task, or as cohorts here, partner in crime with Carl, that we have been giving the hefty task to present a viable pitch mm-hmm. that could potentially bring you, Big Joe, and our other uh, esteemed guest here with us today back to the dark side, back to Vince McMahon, back to the WWE. Good luck with that, by the way. You guys are going to need a lot of help on that one. And then, of course, from... Previously from Hitting the Mercs podcast, the Running with the Bulls on the HTM Network over on the Hobby Media Group, and coming very soon, I hope, Destino. Welcome, Michael Jargo, to Turnbuckle Talk. You know, we're, we're recording this the day after the final episode of The Last Dance, the day before the final episode mm-hmm. of Running with the Bulls. And Huckleberry, I got to admit, like I feel like I'm Michael Jordan coming out of retirement for the second <laughs> time, and that would make Turnbuckle Talk the Washington Wizards. Ooh, hey, I'll take it. I'll take it. So it's uh, it's good to have you guys here. And I was able to lure uh, him out of retirement again, which was cool. And speaking of which, I mean, for our first topic here, uh, slightly non-wrestling related, just taking a look back on the HTM podcast network. Uh, when you guys started this, uh, it was, um, we're, you were just going to do your own thing, Jargo. Tell us a little bit about how, how the network kind of came to be right off the hop. I hit Huckleberry up on Facebook Messenger one day, and I was like, hey, you want to do a podcast? And he was like, sure. That was it. That's the <laughs> whole go, story. Um, it, and it really is basically that simple. That's yep. that Rick was doing his own thing with a uh, 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 little side project called Curtain Jerker, and it had kind of started to fall apart a bit. People just kind of weren't into it. And so I just hit Rick up, and I was like, hey, I'm going to start a wrestling podcast. You want in? And he was like, Sure. 
And and that was the birth of hitting the marks. It was really that simple. And then when you guys actually started with the, with the network, I mean, at that point, I, we, you know, we had already known each other, you know, through the gorillaposition.com is kind of how we got hooked up with you guys. And then when you guys actually started the network, I remember, I believe I, I was at my, my mark job, my day job and had heard that you guys were doing this. So I'm like, we want in. And I think I was basically kind of hounding you guys and you were like, okay, well, the terminal talk is going to be part of the HTM network. It really came down. We needed something for Wednesday. Yep. Wasn't that what it was, Rick? We just re- so. we really well, de- we we would kind of become like Fox or USA at that point. We just needed more content to actually launch the network, so we brought in our favorite Canucks. Yes, I no, was going to say. I'm yeah, just the, kidding. The the pudgy, the pudgy <laughs> two over actually the uh, the pitch when because I had had begin begun doing some work with the Gorilla Position prior to the launch of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, uh, where I was just a contributor, like writer here and there. Uh, this is so much easier trying to sit down and put the pen to paper. So, you know, a hat tip to those that, that still go the old school route, the traditional journalists, but, you know, to be able to, I guess, exclamate your, your, your points and your takes. I mean, this is by far just a much smoother and sweeter platform. Uh, but as we had kind of got rolling into the podcasting game, it wasn't long after the creation of the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast that we were approached by the Hameen Media Group. And we, we had realized what, you know, what that opportunity had meant to us and opening us up to so many new listeners and having the opportunity to really grow the Monday locker room. So the focus was at that point, you know, okay, you know, you, you've got the hiding group. They are moving in a certain direction. What can we give back to some other podcasters to help grow that family? We began conversations with Ryan about the Roar Network. Uh, and at first he wanted us to incorporate his entire platform of shows, but we told him the only one we really cared for was yours. <laughs> So you were the only ones that were brought on board with us. Uh, and no disrespect that. to the other shows. No, It's just we had a very, very clear vision of what we wanted the HTM Podcast Network to be. And one of the biggest things about it was it was going to be unfiltered. And in bringing in shows like the PW Hustle and bringing in stuff like Joe Atherton, mm-hmm. um, our show – they all got pretty racy sometimes, you know, and we needed kind of that balance. We needed turnbuckle talk. Right. We were here to, to make a, a nerd star Wars reference. Like we were here to bring balance to the force. Right. So right. except you know, we weren't actually the diver- bad guy. Diversity was as well as, you know, people's different perspectives. Yeah. Uh, I, I was still trying to smooth some things over with Canada. So we thought, Hey, you know, it might be <laughs> nice if we extend the olive branch there, but no, I mean, but even, you know, you got, Robin come in and he really specialized in the independent interview. You got the PW hustle. Who's going to, that gives you that culture of flavor when they you were here the to Midwest. You got to, like the Midwest version of the hustle guys in Jargo. And I could white as could be exact opposites of those guys. So we had to bring the Canucks into the fold, but you guys do have a grand appreciation for more than what most shows are just going to talk about, you know, being the big promotions in the West, you, you can see those bigger pictures. And uh, for myself as well, I mean, I got to do some more producing work, you know, when uh, Athers was uh, still doing a podcast or a network, I got to produce that as well. And, uh, you know, I never got to do anything with the Hustle guys. Well, because mainly because they weren't really ever around. Just a uh, Brock Lesnar schedule. They were on the Brock Lesnar schedule, right? But, uh, you know, the few episodes that they did, they did put out were, were pretty epic. But, uh, man, it just, it, it, it's been, you know, and we're still going into the summer, I believe, uh, and around August is... Um, possibly when we're going to kind of cap the, the network off, but you know, it, well, it's... Well, 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 I haven't talked to anybody about this, Okay, but there, there is a scenario where hitting the marks.com and the HTM mm. podcast network does not go away at all. Ooh. 
So it, we'll have to see where that goes. Okay, well, you picked now. You picked my interest now, but uh, but that's still, what we call a tease. That's what we call a teaser. A tease. But yeah, I mean, just it. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just it's, it's been a pleasure doing all this, you know, just coming from where I mean, if you've people who have been listening to our podcast long enough now know where Carl and I came from of doing online radio um, to some success. But I mean, it was pretty, pretty limited at that point. You know, we did have some marquee names that we got to speak to. And then to just really kind of branch out, Carl, it's how's just from your perspective, what's it been um, coming with me on uh, doing this podcast and becoming part of this network? Well, for those of you who don't know, Big Joe actually had done this uh, prior to me coming in with someone else, uh, with one of our great late friends, uh, Mustang Man. And, um, I mean, unfortunately, he passed away. And after that, the uh, the Turnbuckle Talk uh, name was kind of in limbo. Things were unsure of where they were going. So Big Joe got a hold of me. Um, if you're a new listener, Big Joe and I have actually been friends since the fifth grade when we met at Riverview Public School. So we have grown up together with a love for professional wrestling and it just happened to work out so that uh, we both were kind of friends with the guy that, that was running the uh, Energy Rock Radio, the uh, radio station that we were on before, the online radio. And then... Um, yeah, we just kind of came together afterwards. Big Joe got a hold of me and said, hey, listen, you know what happened. Uh, I'd like for you to come on because we can really take this somewhere. And it definitely has. I mean, growing from being with the online radio to then deciding that we were going to go independent on our own. And then from there, things have just blossomed and grown to exponential size right now. But this isn't it, people. We got more things. We got more things on the horizon that we've been looking at that we're going to be looking into and talking about in future episodes. But big things are still yet to come. And and things just have to continue to progress and continue to grow and continue to change for things to become epic. Not that we aren't epic already, but we need to continue to uh, to do different things. So, I mean, what you hear now is has just been a culmination of... of you know, years of Big Joe and I really? being fans of professional wrestling myself, then getting into the business and actually working shows, being in the ring, doing what I could to give back. And then uh, now giving back even more after I've retired out of in-ring competition in a podcast format. Yeah, man. I mean, you'd be hard pressed out there to find, you know, not only two wrestling uh, people podcasting about wrestling, but just other podcasters, uh, other podcasting teams that have known each other as long as we do. I mean, it, it's literally going back to when we were kids to when we were wrestling each other into snowbanks on the way home from school. You know, that's how far back Carl and I go. So you know, it's, uh, it gives us a unique perspective on, uh, you know, just on wrestling and, uh, and all this and kind of in general. So it's, uh, it's, it's been quite the journey, my friend, quite the journey. Do, do you two have any uh, Cody and Kenny picks floating around the internet? <laughs> no. <laughs> I know what you're talking no. I know what you're talking about, though. Well, um, and what's none funny, at all. What's funny about that story to me is Rick and I are the exact opposite. We've been in the same place at the same time for a total of like three days yeah. over the course of time that we've known one another. Yeah. But it, it, I mean, it was an epic three days. The one thing that's all in common here, though, before we move on to the next topic, is what brings us all together. It, it's our, our passion, our love for not only 
uh, sitting in front of these microphones and talking to each other about wrestling, but just wrestling, professional wrestling in general is what kind of pulls us all together. It's what's, it's the common thing that, uh, that we all like. Uh, I mean, it's, it's definitely altered recently, especially when it comes to WWE, but we will get into that. Um, That's right. No matter, no yeah. matter if it's WWE, Ring of Honor, Impact, AEW, MLW, Ignite Wrestling, Canadian Wrestling's Elite, New Japan Pro Wrestling, no matter what it is, professional wrestling has brought us all together. And without professional wrestling, we wouldn't even be here, people. It's it's Absolutely. crazy. It's crazy to, to think that just this small little thing in the world called professional wrestling has brought together... You know, people from the United States and people from Canada, and now we're bringing all of this to you. Exactly. All right, so the first thing we want to kind of cover here, this is an interesting topic. Now, unless you've literally been living under a rock or you haven't, or you've been unconscious this whole time or you've been sleeping, I, I don't know if people aren't aware of this is going on, but of course, we've been dealing with COVID-19, the coronavirus, you, uh, whatever you want to call it. I want to talk about the difference between what I feel are the two major promotions, how they've kind of handled the situation. We're talking about WWE and we're talking about new Japan pro wrestling. Cause these two companies have handled the situation very, very differently. Um, let's look at from the new Japan perspective first. And I'm going to throw this over to you, Jargo to kind of explain and to tell people that maybe are just uh, living in the WWE bubble. How has new Japan uh, gone about handling this whole situation? Well, I, I feel like the the difference in how New Japan Pro Wrestling and how WWE has handled this thing, it, it's hard to even compare. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's very much like trying to compare how Japan has handled the coronavirus to how the United States has handled the coronavirus. I, Japan is a much, much smaller nation that is built on very different principles than that of what the United States and basically the West is. Um, so you have to keep that in mind to begin with. Um, it's not exactly a level playing field as far as how new Japan has handled it. New Japan has, they get an a plus in my book. Um, although I don't necessarily agree with every decision. I like how it has been handled in that they just, they canceled everything. They haven't had a new Japan show since my God, like February, and I'm, I feel like I'm a crackhead going through freaking withdrawal <laughs> at this point. Um, so everything is pulled. They keep trying to put out original content, whether it's good or bad, can you know is a whole other conversation. Yeah. But they are still putting out original content on New Japan World. Um, we, we saw basically the the Japanese Wrestling Summit with Hiroshi Tanahashi leading the way of, of seven different promotions going in to talk to government officials and saying, this is what we need in order for professional wrestling to continue in Japan. This is what we need in order for professional wrestling to return to Japan. And while we had very much a, a similar version of this on the hot tag WrestleCast with yourself and Rick here just a couple of weeks ago, since then we have also seen Harold, the president, president Harold come out and he lays out a 10 minute, speech about this is what New Japan has done, this is why New Japan has done it, and this is what it's going to take for New Japan to return. And these are the steps in which New Japan Pro Wrestling is going to return. And as I'm watching it, my immediate thought was, wow, the United States government could learn a hell of a lot from Harold. Instead of sitting there and talking to all of us like we're freaking five-year-olds, you know, just give us a damn plan of how things are going to work. What's already happened. Here's your justification for it, whether we agree with it or not. Okay, cool. And this is how we're going to return. This is how things are going to open back up. This is what it's going to look like. 
these are the phases it's going to happen in. Hell yes. Thank you, Harold. I, I, I applaud President Harold for possibly the first time ever. No, I, but it's, it's, it's been night and day the way that it's been handled here in the West. And it's not just WWE. It's also AEW. Yeah. Ring of Honor has very much handled things the same way New Japan has. And I'm sure that part of that is because they want to maintain a, a good working relationship. They have to show their honor and their loyalty to the Japanese if they want that relationship to continue. It, it's, it's a fascinating study in psychology. But I don't know if I would say that it's simply, you know, WWE versus New Japan. It's every Japanese promotion has done the same thing New Japan Pro Wrestling has done. And then there's really AEW and WWE. I think it's a really a difference in the culture as well. And, and, and just briefly, again, Jargo, what do you, th- if they would have run some empty arena shows, do you think it would have not have been good like would have downplayed the whole they just say it wouldn't have worked with the whole japanese philosophy right it's it's completely counterproductive yeah to to not necessarily as much philosophy as business model true um the the japanese are still relying on house show gates to to basically keep the doors open they don't have you know billion dollar tv contracts with fox and usa rolling in to keep the doors open they rely off selling tickets and putting asses in seats yeah but you if you can't put asses in seats, it's kind of counterproductive to run a show. Yeah. What about you, Carl? What approach have you liked better? I, I, I have a pretty good idea of, of what kind of what you're thinking, but have, have you been enjoying the uh, the empty arena shows, or do you do you kind of see it from both sides, or what's your kind of just take in general of how both companies have handled things? I really I, I see it from both sides. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I understand you know because in in the Western culture here, they, they, they have to um, uphold to what they have agreed to with different television companies. So these companies have been asking for, so they have to provide that. That was, that's in contracts. Yep. So I totally get where the WWE is coming from in that respect. AEW really didn't have to do it, but because they're a smaller promotion still and they're still young and starting out, I think it would have been probably detrimental to them to have just canceled everything. So for them to still kind of put something on in, in you know, a smaller place, for them to only have, a you know, some of the talent around the ring, stuff like that, those who were comfortable enough to be there, I, I, I get it. They, they're still trying to, to build up that name of AEW. And when it comes to New Japan Pro Wrestling, I do understand that side of it and anything that's happening over in, in the Eastern culture there as well, right? They they have a totally different take, like, like Jargo was saying, they have a totally different take on everything when it comes to the world of professional wrestling. It's, it's a whole different mentality over there. It is legitimately a sport over there more than it is an entertainment aspect. So if every other sport that the East has taken from the West, whether it's, you know, uh, uh, football, whether it is soccer, whether it is baseball, whether it's cricket, whether it, whatever it is that has all stopped. So why would professional wrestling not stop over there as well? Because they are considered no different than any of these other professional sports over there. So I totally get from both sides do I agree with things all the time on both sides? No, not not no. always. But 
I do enjoy that New Japan Pro Wrestling has still kind of, like Jargo talked about there, doing a few more different little things to kind of still put some stuff out onto their network to be able to keep the name relevant. And that's exactly what they have been doing. Uh, we're talking about them today. So clearly they've been doing something right. Yeah. And even with canceled shows, they're still doing something right. Now, Rick, I want to get the the marketing perspective here. With, with both of these companies, have WWE New Japan, have they made the right decision marketing-wise to go about the approaches that they've gone about? Like, you know, as, as previously mentioned by each of you in setting up the conversation, this is a bigger picture issue. We're looking at more than specifically just professional wrestling, sports, entertainment. You're looking at society and how they differentiate. Where in the Western culture, yeah, we are a little more over-the-top outlandish in our presentation. And that's exactly what you get there as opposed to the East where some would say respectful. I'm going to use the reserved in how they're, you know, the methods that they operate. The... the as Jargo lays out there perfectly, he's, you know, repeatedly time and time again, so many people just think everything operates like we're used to in the West. That it has, it's, it is mirrors the WWE. That's exactly not what they have there. It makes zero sense for New Japan to try to push forward with any kind of empty arena shows that we have seen in the West because that's not their bread and butter. That it's not going to produce revenue and financially that creates more of a failure system, a failout for them. As opposed to, as you know, Carl's alluded to, someone like WWE. They have got just not television deals. They have got big time television deals. So while you're producing content there, it is a necessity. You're in survival mode. You know, and what we've seen here, and I've, I've thrown this out here a couple of times. Why, why does WWE, why do they continue to push forward? Why push forward here? This is a grand opportunity for them. You have the other major sports leagues that are shut down. And because of the way WWE can operate, they can go to the performance center. They can eliminate all that excessive travel where you're not dealing with 53-person rosters and team personnel. You can really scale that all down to get your product out there. They've gone to every step to do that. And since they have canceled a lot of their season, their league activity, because we don't have the over-the-top production for the live events or the traveling weekly programming or the, the pay-per-views, marquee events, whatever it might be, they were able to pull that back. In doing so, marketing-wise, this is we can argue the quality of the product on Mondays and Fridays. We can argue those numbers, but they still can stand by right now because of lack of original content, exciting content. WWE's at the forefront here. I mean, we last week we had a watch-along party for WrestleMania three on FS1. <laughs> Uh, every week they're highlighting different chronicles of superstars or they're going through the women's division or looking at the greatest tag teams, things like that, or, you know, Hulkamania's run that's presenting them an opportunity to stand out, you know, once again, try to pull in some viewers and they're helping these, their partner programs or the partner networks in providing this programming at a very much needed time. As Carl made the parallel though, between WWE or wrestling not potentially seen as sport inside of the Western culture. I'll definitely say this right now. Jargon and I talk about this. You know, we hit on this a little bit when with the running with the Bulls last dance review. You're starting to see other leagues start to buckle and feel pressure right here. They are realizing that they are about ready to be put under a, an extreme revenue crunch. Uh, the NBA is doing anything and everything they can to get some sort of postseason, get something going here to regroup some of that. Major League Baseball is in the same pot. They're trying to figure out anything that they can before they get left behind. And really, the, the biggest winner inside of this is because it's out so outside of their season, they've been able to continue rocking along with the draft and free agency is the NFL. 
Well, briefly on that, then I know I know it's not directly wrestling related, but let's talk about it. You know, since you had hinted at there, Rick, these other sports, baseball, hockey, NBA, can they run these empty arena shows and do it successfully? Uh, you're in a case where they, at this point, they want to do anything to get their season going to start producing some sort of content and start generating some sort of revenue. In large part, for what we always talk about, it is that it's it's that advertising and that t- television dollar, uh, and they need to be out front and be seen here. Now, how they're going to present that, you know, how you re- rework your merchandise, you're going to have to reset your focal point outside of those gate numbers to help drive this. And um, we're already talking about restructuring of these collective bargaining agreements between the leagues, the owners and the players, and things could get quite nasty here. Uh, you're already seeing this beginning in baseball where they're going to, is it the 50, 50 cut Jargo? Well, baseball in a sense. is a mess right now it, of all the professional sports leagues, whether it be the NBA or whether it be the NFL, I have not heard very much hardly at all about the NHL resuming um, as far as like a Stanley Cup playoffs go, and that's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but I don't think baseball is going to happen. I think the, I think the NBA is going to have some kind of a playoff, uh, whether that be 12 teams, whether it be 16 teams, whether they play a half a dozen games to get ready for the NBA playoffs. I think the NBA is going to happen. I don't think Major League Baseball is going to happen. I, I think that the owners are trying to screw over the players and they're using the coronavirus as that opportunity to do so. And the players union is of, of any sport, of any union in the United States, the Major League Baseball Players Association might be the strongest. I don't think an MLB season is going to happen. And, and that's what people really miss inside of the Chicago you know, Big Joe Carl, what they're really missing is once the baseball union and so many people, oh, they're, they're multimillionaires. I would love to go out there and do that. They should do this for the people because of everything that's going on. No, this is this is at its bottom dollar, bottom line. If it's professional wrestling, East, West, wherever it's at, it is about financials. And in Major it's, League Baseball, once those players start letting the owners finagle that kind of stuff, once you open that Pandora's box, there is no going back. I mean, it's basically like you have an entire union of like, you know, 250 people that are Brock Lesnar. And, you know, I realize this is turnbuckle talk, but let me tell you something. There is not a major league baseball player on the face of the planet that gives a shit about your kids. And if they get to watch baseball this year, that's just not happening. If you're going to pay me half my salary and I have to quarantine myself from my family for four months so that we can play empty arena shows so that we can split the revenue 50, 50 with the owners, not going to happen. No, I think the only Sport, uh, I know we're talking outside professional wrestling where I've seen kind of some action, some things going on has been boxing. And that kind of leads into our next topic here. Uh, Mr. Iron Mike Tyson appearing in AEW. Uh, I can already see Michael Jargo just uh, rolling his eyes. Um, but I'm going to hold off on you first. Carl, what's your what's your take on Iron Mike appearing in AEW? I w- wouldn't have called AEW. I thought uh, WWE would have ended up using him. My only question is why? <laughs> why? Why? Why not? What, what, why, why, not? Why, is, why, why is he not? even needed? Like, AEW right now Mike doesn't... Tyson? Well, true, but they don't need that name. 
They don't need to have Mike Tyson there. They don't need to have that t- that type of a per- like. Why? Well, 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 There's wait, no well, need well, for it. I'll well, answer, I'll well, answer your I'll question. Say, let, let me put this because I got like five different <laughs> answers to shut this down. Uh, WrestleMania 14. Yeah. John Michaels versus yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's the coronation of the Stone Cold era. That didn't need Mike Tyson, no. but it was a hell of a lot cooler that he was there. That's true. That's very true. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is, but I mean, you, for, you, for me, it, it doesn't do anything for me. Not call, at call all. You got, you, you're thinking inside of that bubble of that 650,000 that tune in every wa- every week to watch AEW. This is a tremendous opportunity, especially with the all the waves that Iron Mike is making right now, to take yeah. that and hopefully expand that bubble to bring that attention to your product in any way. Professional wrestling in, inside of itself is at its very best when it is a, a mirror of society and an outlandish over-the-top circus. Yeah. I don't know if there's an individual out on this planet unless you can get Rodman package deal into this thing <laughs> that's going to that signifies that more than Iron Mike Tyson. Oh, Jesus. Just imagine. Very, uh, very true. Yeah. Very true. Yeah, man. I, mean, it, I can't. I can't wait for running with the bulls this week when yeah. we get to talk about Dennis Rodman versus Carl Malone. Yes, because yes. that happened. Yep that that was literally the 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 basketball world and the pro wrestling world colliding. And you know what's crazy about that? I was looking at it last night. This is just a real quick preview for yeah. running with the bulls. You realize that match happened less than thirty days after the end of the NBA Finals. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. insane. And we, right. sh- you know what, all over Rodman for it. And <laughs> yeah. somehow Carl yeah. Malone just gets a pass. Oh, man. He's like, hey, no, 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 no. I remember that other old guy, too. He was there. Yeah. I mean, a guy like Dennis Rodman, I mean, he was just, it's like he was, I won't say bred for that that situation, but it, like, it just, it's so fit him. And I'm like, his whole attitude, his whole persona, it's so professional wrestling. It's so over well, the top. It, it's just fantastic. Can't you say that about Mike Tyson? Sure you can, yeah. Mike Tyson was yeah. pro wrestling when pro wrestling was cool. Yeah, that's true, man. Yeah. Uh, there was nothing cooler than watching Mike Tyson go out there and see how fast he was going to knock this guy out. Yeah. It wasn't a question of, is he going to knock this guy out? It was, how fast is he going to knock this guy out? And it's the yeah. same thing that we saw with Ronda Rousey in the UFC. How fast is she going to tap this chick out? It wasn't a matter, is Rousey going to win? It was a matter of how fast. And then as soon as they lost, they were both just irrelevant. But Tyson somehow has reinvented himself, and it's really thanks to freaking Instagram. Well, and it's inside of that because he's still outside, you know, with with Rousey. She was just that fierce warrior inside that octagon, in that element. You got Tyson where you don't know what the hell this guy could do anywhere at any time if he would just snap. That's the unpredictability yeah. that makes professional wrestling so great. You don't feel that, that way he about embodies. No, but no, her biggest yeah. go-to what she thinks is would just be to, you know, it's her MO in professional wrestling is to attack fans by calling it fake where she doesn't bring any substance to that where I mean, I just, Tyson I, might go out there and eat a baby. Well, I mean, I always felt that way about Rousey, like it, kind of like a, the Brock Lesnar and Braun Strowman thing when Braun Strowman rocked Lesnar and Lesnar just hauled off and straight hit him. And Braun's just like wobbling there in the middle of the ring. Like, I always felt like there was that element to Rousey where it just, you know, like somebody punches her the wrong way and she could just go off and rip this girl's arm off. Yeah. And there's always, nothing she could do about it. I always felt maybe there was something in there where she they would miscue something. 
or miss one of their spots, and it would be Ronda who would be you know laid out on her ass, which like would be Ellen the ultimate generous meltdown, the ultimate know? embarrassment to her. Uh, but you know, I had uh, the opportunity this morning every week. I'm fortunate enough to be able to sit down with uh, two brilliant minds inside of Ben Hameen and Doctor Manbees, Ted McNaylor. We were talking about this thing as you know, the, the potential, the possibilities, if they could bring Tyson in for an extended program to truly get that rub from him. Uh, if it's something as simple as he gets involved in the finish of the TNT championship, mm. uh, how much it would mean just, I mean, it, it'd be, it would be more impactful for Archer, let's say for his overall career, if he took a punch from Tyson, that would be more impactful than actually winning that match because that's going to, you know, all the cross promotion, everything that you see that with is going to attach him to it. Then you can, you could build off, even if he was embarrassed by Tyson, he can still kick everyone else's ass inside AEW. We were talking, we had pitched out there the ultimate program, which would truly bring more eyes onto this product, is to somehow get Tyson uh, involved against Chris Jericho. Hmm. Uh, even where Jericho says, yeah. hey, man, I'll take you on in, in an exhibition box, boxing match. And Jericho is just hamming it up. Uh, we had talked, you know, with the big pot belly of Jericho now, if, if Tyson would just really jab him in there to get all this facial expression, his reaction, I mean, it would be very much like King Hippo from Mike Tyson punch <laughs> right. out. Yeah. And then, then we spun off into the entire inner circle could represent somebody from that game. Then you're crossing over these different genres. Yeah. You got the nostalgia <laughs> act. You got every, this craziness that you're creating. Now you gotta, you gotta talk one of these, uh, professional wrestlers to actually take a legit punch from Mike Tyson. And, I don't know if I'd want to do that or not to take a legit well, it, punch from Mike. I don't know, man. Well, he's holding off a little bit. I think an archer, you know, it's not like he's going to haul off and take his jaw off, but I, <laughs> you know, you know, Jericho would he take one in the no, stomach. Yeah, no, no, no. You, you know what you got to do. You have to use this opportunity to make a new star. Yeah. Right. So, so what I do is I have Cody win the championship. Tyson presents the championship to Cody. MJF comes out and starts running his freaking mouth. And if I trust anybody to run his mouth about Mike Tyson and his downfalls, yeah. it would be MJF. And if you can set up a moment to where you have like a mixed tag match and it's Cody and Mike Tyson versus MJF and Wardlow, that moment when Mike Tyson lays out MJF with one freaking punch you can you can make MJF a star off of that one moment. I'd be down for that one. Yeah, and I, I totally get everything, but my my issue right now with this whole Mike Tyson thing is that we're all just talking about it. Mm -hmm. There has been absolutely nothing that has been done to set anything up for anything other than him presenting the title. And that's where I'm going. If this is all that that is, is him presenting the title. Lame. I'm not interested in yeah. that. I'm interested in more. And right now, it's what? Two weeks away that this, this, oh, this, this match this is going to it? happen? It's this weekend. Yeah. There we go. Well, so, here, they've here's done what nothing happened. to set anything up, which for me, I'm going, meh. But I, I think that's the intrigue. You know, it's creating conversations like we're having here. You know, the well, potential, yeah, what is going to go down here instead of them leading us, you know, you know, taking us by our hand and trying to walk us in a direction. And, and here's what happened. That show was not live. That show was canned. 
And so they had to put in the Mike Tyson announcement after the show was already in the can. So they couldn't do a big announcement. My, my, when this segment started, Joe, you were like, Jargo, I see you over there rolling your eyes. <laughs> it's simply at how AEW has presented this thing. Yeah. Like that basically what they did is they sent out a tweet that said that Mike Tyson was going to be there and we haven't seen anything else because there hasn't been any new content for them to produce since this deal was done. That's the problem. My, my problem is the way that this is not being promoted. We need more of this. We need to make this a bigger deal because Mike Tyson's throwing hands on freaking Instagram and has half the freaking world scared to death because at 53 years old, he's looking like he could just straight knock people out. So yeah, I mean, I mean, why not? Because, I mean, we talked about this on the last episode of the Hot Tag WrestleCast, I believe, uh, Rick, where we're, we're looking at this potential fight between uh, Iron Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield. I mean, why not, um, you know, find some way to, to include that in, into this? And then that would bring some, you know, some of that audience over to professional wrestling and vice versa, right? Some mainstream appeal. I mean, it's all about opening up the uh, the checkbook, and you know, it's a, it's a, it takes two to tango. So you're gonna have to come to a deal with those different parties. You know that again, that's speculation too to have that third that third fight go down. And yeah. I'm sure, as major as that would be, believe me, I mean, they could start printing their own money with yeah, that thing, absolutely. no matter what kind of spectacle it is. There's a long way to get from the suggesting of it to the actuality yeah. of it because of all the contract financials. People are going to want to have their hands in there. What What do you suppose that would do for pay per view buys? Like huge. What, what, Smash every record. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I mean, because, you know, the Super Bowl is right around like right around 100 million people watch yeah. the Super Bowl at this point. What would Tyson versus Holyfield in 2020 draw? 50 million? I, I go something maybe higher than that. I mean, that again, you yeah. even present another, you know, conversation there, Jargo. What do, would this mean to a provider? For a distributor, I mean, would somebody like a Fox Sports go out there and try to get the money to put this on open air network, or is there more value inside of that? You know, the traditional pay per view buy rate. I mean, if you can sell fifty million pay per views at eighty nine ninety five in HD, that's a lot of freaking money. That is a lot of freaking money. I, I will throw out for you guys. Ben had mentioned this. Uh, he said, of out of everything that happens here with Tyson, there's only one must that that he needs to have. And that would we need a segment where you've got Cody Rhodes, you've got Jack oh Hager, God. and Mike Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So we had the list, we had the wow. list off, and then I suggested that the interview must be conducted by uh, Tony Savani. <laughs> so they all have to get him in there. <laughs> so we've got Mike appearing in AEW here now. On AEW, I, I mean, this company's been around for, what, we're going about a year and a half now. It, it feels like it's been uh, shorter than that period of time. But uh, how has this company been doing so far? Have they been, has this been a flop or has it uh, hit the marks, so to speak? Let's start with you, Carl. I I have a very different opinion. I'm enjoying it. I think that they've gone out there and and done what they could, um, especially you know being young and then coming into this whole uh, BS pandemic crap that's going on. Um, yeah. I mean, I think they did they they've done the best that they can with what they have right now. Um, I'm enjoying the product. I think that it's really hit every every note that they're that they've been going for at this point. 
Could they have done more? Sure, they probably could have. Could they have, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, grabbed a little bit more of that money that the Khan family's been giving and and done some some bigger things with it? Probably, but they're trying to do what they can. And I mean, yeah. for for an upstart young company, still, I mean, I, I, they're doing pretty well for themselves. Yeah. I mean, you consider you've got other companies that are out there that you know OVW they've restarted uh, Al Snow has OVW and it's nowhere near the level of what AEW has been doing right now. And it's been about the same amount of time. You take a look at Billy Corgan buying up the NWA and they have no TV deal. I mean, they're still just running YouTube shows. They could have done so much as well. But AEW has done more, and and whether whether or not that that's because of, of of money or or what it is, but I mean, both companies have have really got different names that they could use and build off of. Yeah. I think AEW has just done a better job of it, and and it shows. Well, the the two ones that you mentioned there, Carl, with OVW and NW, I think it's that situation is more just because their scope and everything is just smaller. They haven't really aspired to, to be those bigger things as of yet. You know, OVW, um, I mean, uh, sorry, with NWA, I mean, I think that they do have a bit of a, like a regional uh, television deal. I think it's relatively small, but uh, OVW, I mean, uh, I think people kind of just perceive it as this developmental territory. It, it definitely is more th- than that there, but uh, I mean, they're poised to do some significant stuff soon. I mean, we're just keeping an eye on that. With with AEW, my kind of perspective on it, before all this pandemic crap started happening, I was pretty happy with the product. Um, now, I just... It's no secret. I'm not a big fan of the empty arena shows. I do like that they at least have some of the talent there at ringside to add a little bit of atmosphere. I think that's something that WWE should have done a little bit as well, just to add something so that the focus isn't on this empty arena that they're working in. But um, overall, I mean, I, I I really like the product leading up to all this, but just the, these empty arena shows, just it just doesn't do it for me. I would rather either watch some some flashbacks or some documentaries than to watch empty arena shows. So. Um, that's kind of how I, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle at the moment. What about you, Jared? Oh, I, there so much, um, yeah. there are, are so many different ways to look at this thing. Yeah. And really the only metric that matters is over the course of the last year, they've ran a couple of pay-per-views that have done a hundred thousand buys. Um, they, they've signed a new TV contract with TNT. They're actually making money from Turner now, as opposed to just being on the network. It's not all necessarily about ad revenue. They're actually receiving a, a rights fee for the airing now in every measurable metric. I mean, if you look at TNT, we, we can talk about how, you know, AEW's numbers are down to 650,000. And, and I think with the status of everything that's going on in the country right now that seems pretty legit but tnt's numbers are still up compared to what they would have been airing if it wasn't for all elite wrestling dynamite on wednesday nights on tnt and to me that's the only metric that really matters um there there's a lot of things that happen in aew that i don't like there's a lot of things that happen in aew that i do like you know and it is what it is. It's an alternative. And it, the thing of when you start comparing like NWA, when you start talking about MLW, what they don't have is a member of the cool kids club. I mean, let's remember, you know, that Shad Khan owns the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
There are 32 men on the face of the planet, actually 31 <laughs> because the Packers are publicly owned. Yep. There are 31 members of that club. When the kid of Shad Khan calls up to Turner Broadcasting, he gets through to somebody. Billy Corgan, eh, maybe. Not so much, yeah. You know, it, it helps when you have Tony Khan. You know, for better or for worse, as Huckleberry will tell you, I'm sure, because, you know, he's convinced that Tony Khan's just a money mark, which I just think is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah. th- th- they're making money. TV ratings are up. They're yeah. getting paid a rights fee. They're, they've got 100,000 people buying their pay-per-views. Yeah. If the company's making money, then yes, I write it up as a success, especially with what's going on in the world right now. Very true, very true. What about you, Rick? Uh, I think, you know, as we... It's in any kind of argument, it's just a natural instinct for someone to try to draw comparisons and, and compare th- similar you know, either companies, whatever the items might be. Uh, I really th- I don't think that it's really fair when we're assessing any of these situations, if it be Ring of Honor, if it be OVW, Impact Wrestling, AEW, because I mean, they're so they're different beasts in every sense of the of the term. And so I think when we are judging their success so far you really have to look at what was their target direction. What truly defines them? As Jargo sitting there mentioned, there is a lot about this company that drives me absolutely insane, irritates me to no end. But it's one of those things that I can step back as a marketer and realize that they are hitting those marks, if you will, because they are targeting that lower end, you know, that millennial, that lower end of the key demographic, more into that 18 to, I was probably say even more 18 to 28. Than even the extended 34 or even up to, you know, the likes of us up there in our, you know, around that 40 area. They are doing a tremendous job of connecting with that audience, keeping them interested. And, and, and even more so, they have they have maintained them as not just an audience, but a commodity. They buy into their system. They truly believe in that mantra of a company run by the boys for the people. And is one of the key top three selling points when you are marketing selling to to that millennial group is you're not selling a product you are selling a movement and empowerment and they have absolutely done that that's why you see the inclusion of some of these uh you know how progressive they are with social media or if someone is it's simple is is a nyla rose uh you know a transgender athlete you know participating in the women's division or the absurdity of of seeing scooby-doo and jesus in there, you know, putting down, you know, <laughs> dropping yeah. Ty Dellinger or whatever the hell, or Spears, Sean Spears. But th- that speaks to that audience. And as Jargo pointed out, hey, they've won out. They, they, they took the cable. They rolled the dice. They bet on themselves initially getting that deal with TNT. They said, hey, you know, we'll put our money where our mouth is if you give this this opportunity. They took that ball. They ran with it. Now they're, you know, before everything happened here, they're extended to that second night. They're doing positive things. I guess... In that sense, yes, it's been a great success for them. But we go back, and this is the number that always sticks with me. They are doing better than what was previously aired there on TNT. So they're holding strong on that front, but we're not seeing them grow their actual fan base, that number. Uh, If anything, we've seen a decline here. And uh, another one of these arguments, and it's just not you, Big Joe, that, that makes this point regularly but I mean, it's like change the record, stop beating that drum about not enjoying empty arena wrestling. Hmm. That's not an option. Yeah. They, they have to go forward with something here. And I will say, you know, they're doing their best to their ability in many ways. Now there could be tweaks to that about how you incorporate 
different profile pieces or the presentation of what's happening there. Those are conversations, but to simply dismiss it as, well, it's just empty arena. You still got to deal with the reality of you're putting out a product here. So you have to improve. You have to grow, you know, everything that, you, that you've got presented. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we take our break and do our showstopper segment here uh, this week, guys, let's do our match of the week segment. Um, I know that there isn't a whole ton of live professional wrestling to watch, but there's a lot of archives. I've been watching a lot of Ring of Honor. Uh, they've been releasing a lot of free content on YouTube. Uh, New Japan has been doing some as well. Uh, there's still some MLW stuff to watch. So let's go around the table here and let's pick our match of the week here that, uh, that you ho- hopefully you've gotten to catch some wrestling this week to have something to pick from. Let's start with you, Rick. Uh, what would you say is your match of the week for this past week? Well, we're talking about unique presentations here. Uh, I know there might have been some uh, some sexier picks here, but this one's got some substance to it, and oh. it's been going back and forth, and it is a potential uh, defamation match of the, the threats back and forth between Mark Henry and Leo Rush, where the, the young African-American oh. talent feels that he has been greatly disrespected by the veteran, and, and he's been trying to call him out left and right here. Again, to me, this is a case of someone who, who thinks they're over – absolutely is not in leo rush uh he could actually run himself straight out of professional wrestling with the way he's attacking mark henry with this yeah um let's go with you carl what would you say it was your match of the week for this past week well my match of the week is an actual professional wrestling match that Yay! um this is actually coming from ring of honor they did a retrospective on the career of probably one of my favorite wrestlers right now marty Skrull. And we're looking back in 2018, they did a uh, flashback to the match at All In that Marty Skrull had versus Okada. Probably one, I I loved that match. I loved watching it. I loved just the dynamic of everything that happened. For me, that was my favorite match that I was able to watch this week. And correct me if I'm wrong, um... Mike, uh, Jargo and, uh, Rick, you guys were there in person. That match went longer than it was supposed to, correct? <laughs> that match went significantly <laughs> longer than it was supposed to. Yeah. Um, which is why if you watch the main event, it feels like you're watching it at like one and a half X speed because yeah. it's like, you know, it's like a nine minute match and it was scheduled to be like a 20 minute match. Yeah. Um, it, but man, I got to tell you, there is something about Okada yeah. when you hear that coin drop. Yeah, man. He's a star. Being there in the arena no. live, it is just electric. Fantastic. Um, I would chalk that up to the same as for those WWE marks out there. If that's the only thing that you watch, how do you feel when you hear the Undertaker's gong happen? Mm. Same thing with that coin drop. For, yeah. that, for me, it's yeah. for me, it's if you smell. Like when you hear that and you know the rock is coming. Yeah. Like that's the only thing I can compare the Okada coin drop to. Because I mean, Undertaker is a completely different scenario. Yeah. Undertaker is just like you're in awe of this epic entrance and everything that is the Undertaker. Yeah. But you know, when it comes to the electricity that goes through the room when that coin drops, it's it's something that I I can't even explain to somebody who hasn't seen Okada live. For for myself, if I have to compare, uh, you know, if there's if we're talking about that moment just before that kind of gets you going, uh, for me, I think of the the glass shattering with Stone Cold Steve Austin. When that happened, you're like, oh, 
okay, now it's on like Donkey Kong, right? And then for me personally, when I heard the very beginning of when Piper would come out, when you hear that, that kind of drum roll kind of go, I'm like, oh, yes, here we go, right? So uh, for me, the, the, those are the, the two that, that I think at when it comes to uh, to that kind of moment. What would you say was your match of the week or uh, something that you got to watch uh, this week, uh, Jargo, that uh, tickled your fancy? Well, it, funny enough, it's a perfect segue because mine is the AJ Styles versus Undertaker. Mm. And I'm not talking about the match from WrestleMania. I'm okay. talking about the match that's going to happen mm. once we can let fans back into a room. Because they're already teasing it. If you mm. watch that special, the the part two of the special, Undertaker sitting there watching AJ Styles, and he says, man, that's the one guy. That's the one guy I really wanted to have a match with that I didn't get a chance to have a match with. And they had it set up for WrestleMania this year. Obviously, it didn't happen. Instead, we got the Boneyard because of circumstances. But with what they did at Money in the Bank, with AJ Styles being scared of the Undertaker poster, hearing the comments from Undertaker on Last Ride Part 2... That match is going to happen. I don't know if it'll be SummerSlam. I don't know if it'll be WrestleMania next year. But when we can let fans back into an arena, that match is going to happen. I'm calling it now. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, mine comes from a show that I've had, I think, believe a couple weeks ago, I had a pick from the show as well. And this is, again, you know, thanks to YouTube for putting out this content for free. Uh, my match of the week is coming from 2019 the G1 Supercard that came to us from Madison Square Garden. And we're talking about the match for the Rev Pro Championship between Zack Sabre Jr. and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, I enjoyed the hell out of this match here, guys. Watching uh, as somebody who enjoys uh, the technical aspects of, of professional wrestling, I mean, Zack Sabre Jr., I mean, it doesn't get much better than that right now. And uh, that was a fantastic one. I enjoyed the hell I actually watched it probably about two or three times in a row. That's how much I liked it. Those two guys have incredible chemistry. Yeah, man. Like, for, like Zack Sabre Jr. can just stretch the ever-loving yeah. hell out of Hiroshi Tanahashi, yeah. and Tanahashi's, like, cool with it, I guess. Yeah. Um, as, as a guy who is not necessarily a big Hiroshi Tanahashi fan, um, especially, like, the on-camera, like, I, I'm much more Team Okada than I am Team Tanahashi. Yeah. I just enjoy watching Zack Sabre Jr. torture Hiroshi Tanahashi. And that's very much what that match was. I, I enjoyed the hell out of that match. And to, to just have that ending where he just, he barely had both of his arms pinned behind him and had his leg. Like he was basically had his whole body grape vine around him and he just, he made him tap out. Like uh, up to that point, I don't think I had seen that from Tanahashi. So that, that was a pretty special moment there. And uh, like I said, I, I that's one of those matches where I, I, I watched it and then I rewound and watched it again. And I watched it again. I watched it again. And it just, it was a, a clinic. And, and that that technical wrestling style that Zach does is just better than almost anybody out there. So, all right, guys, we're gonna take a brief break here. We're gonna come back with our showstopper segment, and it's gonna be a fun one this week since we have the four of us here. It's no secret that you know I would say you know Rick and Carl are are still pretty much fans of uh, WWE, you know, and and rightfully so. And Jargo and I not so much. And we're gonna come back and we're gonna see if these two guys can kind of bring us back over the dark side, so to speak. So we're gonna take a brief break and we'll be right back. This week's episode is brought to you by Collar and Elbow. Visit collarandelbowbrand.com where you can get 15% off when using promo code JKPODCAST at the checkout, including this week's featured item, the Good Brothers Dojo t-shirt. All right, guys, Big Joe and Carl Carafel back here on Turnbuckle Talk. 
Yes, we are, guys. We are at that best segment that we do every single week. And we are actually joined by two of our favorite Americans for our show stopper segment. Yeah, we're going to have some fun with this segment here this week, guys. Um, basically, I came up with this uh, idea kind of when I was at work. I think it was on, on a break. And I was like, hey, we're going to have a Rick and Jargo one. I think we'll have some fun with this uh, segment. We're going to see if you guys can kind of – it's no secret that Jargo and I have kind of pieced out when it comes to WWE. I've recently uh, canceled my WWE Network subscription and don't really watch the, the weekly television anymore. I've been watching a lot of New Japan and Ring of Honor recently and have been really enjoying it. So I figured we'd have you guys try and kind of win us back over. And since uh, you, uh, Rick and Jargo, are the, uh, the guests here, this week i'll let you guys kind of go first here and see if rick can win jargo over but i don't think it's gonna happen but uh have at it guys see if you can see if you can do something here well first of all big joe the way that you've written this thing out here i, I kind of want to just maybe clear the air change this direction okay. uh showstopper segment Carl and Rick suggest ideas to win back Big Joe and Jargo to watch WWE again. Uh, first of all, what makes the two of you, Big Joe and Jargo, such elitist, or maybe I even say pompous jackasses, that you think that we, the WWE Nation, that we want you back, that we need you back? You know, we're, we're surviving and thriving perfectly since your departure. I don't think anyone's mentioned your name at the party. No one's missed you since you walked through the door. So I, I want to speak to a, the larger listener base here. For those that have maybe been you know, drinking that, that Michigan Kool-Aid water that you, know, that you like to serve up there at the big house or, or whatever the case might be. But inside, if you guys want to, individuals like yourselves, you want to focus on these, these negatives inside the WWE. When we have a, a grand universe of excitement and entertainment that is presented weekly here, there, there is so much value still inside of that product. If it's the rich history that's presented through the network to the tremendous athletes and entertaining stars of today, you get you look at this on the surface, the alpha of the females division, Charlotte Flair the best woman's wrestler in the world going across all brands. You are getting her representing that NXT championship Monday, Wednesday, Friday, whatever the case may be. You're, you're having excellence like that demonstrated. You have AJ Styles crossing brands here. You're seeing the breakdown of this brand split where you can see the phenomenal stars of the WWE across the, these different platforms. Hey, NXT still firing on all cylinders right now. The gold standard still continuing to raise the bar. One of the hottest, hottest acts inside of professional wrestling right now with the potential to be that next big boom is happening in NXT. And that would be Killer Cross. I mean, there is still so much going on. You can find positives inside of their program. And you just say, watch. Watch. I mean, that could be through social media. That could be through short spurts of this. But to still be in tune and be in touch with what they're presenting with their product. Is it my turn? Is, is that yeah, what's so going on? I to, to okay. kind of rebuttal what, what, uh, what Rick said there. Um, I, I, I'm not watching WWE programming. I mean, I'm, I'm just not. And, and, and the thing is, being on Facebook, being on Twitter... I don't have to watch WWE programming because I see the clips. I, I just, I see the clips as they come across my feed. And this week I saw Braun Strowman and Otis doing the Caterpillar together on Friday night, SmackDown. 
and what, what was wrong WWE? with that? I'm, uh, nothing. Yeah. Hey, man, if that, if that's what trips your trigger, more power to you. So, what, what what do you think of Joey Ryan? I think Joey Ryan is one of the single greatest gimmick performers that there's ever been. Whether so what, I like him or makes, not. What makes it different from Joey Ryan doing the dick flip to two guys doing the caterpillar in the ring? Nothing, but I'm also not watching Impact. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <Sure. laughs> well, I guess, to be fair, he uh, he does not do the dick flip anymore. He's cleaned up his That's, act. Yes, he, so he has. Mr. Uh, clean Society. Clean no the wonder I haven't heard about him. Was he flipping people with his finger now? What is he using? Just going out there and wrestling, baby. Just going I'm, and wrestling. Oh. Here's the here's the misconception. Like people think that I dislike WWE, and that's not the case. I just want them to be better. That's where I'm at as well. You, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I I still I'm looking forward to you know this takeover in your house. I watched Money in the Bank. Like I I, I can <laughs> find good things on WWE programming. I thought that Fatal Four Way Tag Match that opened Money in the Bank was fantastic. I enjoyed the hell out of that match. Yeah. You know, and then I, I, I actually watched the Money in the Bank match twice. And, and the people have been asking me for my opinion on Money in the Bank. So here it is. Money in the Bank is to professional wrestling what Jason X was to the horror movie genre. Wow. It's one of those things where it's so bad that you just you have to watch it. You have to see this. Yeah. Because that's how bad this is. So it's like Plan Nine from Outer Space Bed. Yeah, yeah. it, it yeah. almost it, it yeah. became a parody of itself right before your eyes, yep. and it's so, like all the way down to where you could predict, you know, the bathroom humor. You could have predicted yeah. that there was going to be a food fight. Yeah. You could have predicted that you were going to see the giant T Rex skull on Vince McMahon's freaking wall. Like <laughs> you knew all these things were. Very, very possible before the mash even started. Yeah. And they were just like, yep, we're going to give you all of that. We're going to give you yeah. all of that and so much more. I mean, they, they didn't even edit out the sound when they freaking threw them over the freaking roof. And like they hit the roof below. They, you could hear the crash pad. <laughs> Those were always oh, there. Man. You know, and no. it's like, it reminded me of Jason X. And there's a scene in Jason X that <laughs> always comes to mind, yeah. right? Where they're like, they're locked up inside of this one hatch and they're like, I wonder if he's still out there. And the guy says, I don't know. Stick your head out and find out. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's so corny and it's so predictable and it's every horror movie cliche that you could yeah. imagine. It's fucking Jason in space. <laughs> it's like, Hey, there's a song coming from that room. I'm going to go check it out. Yeah. There's right. like, no chance I'm going to die. Cliche yeah. you could think of, <laughs> you know, and uh, if you want to watch that on a weekly basis, Cool. Yeah. I'll watch, you know, the pay-per-view. And, you know, WWE does very good video packages. They catch me up real freaking quick. I don't feel like I've missed a beat. It's just I have an extra six, seven hours that I don't have to watch WWE programming. Yeah. So, so you know, in, and inside the conversation itself, you've already admitted that you still in some ways are supporting the product. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. It's professional wrestling. I'm going to support and, all of them. And they're, they're also outside of what is happening there. No matter what, no matter how your view, your viewpoint, your perspective on what is transpiring through their, their storylines, their creative, whatever that direction might be. It's also, uh, you know, outside of just that, it's the camaraderie inside of the community, bringing individuals like ourselves together to either, you know, to laugh at it, to, cr to harshly critique it, to praise it, 
at certain points. Uh, that's also an important, you know, factor into what makes being a fan so special. Being a fanatic is those relationships that you have. I just I want it to be better. Yep. I mean, I want to watch WWE every week. Me too. But you know, if it that's sucks, fair. I'm not going to watch it. You know, like there's there's a lot of really really good TV shows that they come to a certain point and it's just like, dude, this sucks now. <laughs> and I don't want to watch it, it anymore. Well, and I do get that too because I hate when individuals, you know, if you want to be there and support something, if it's if you do find good in there, because there is there is good in there to find, and be the first to admit here, it's a lot more negative than positive. Even in a grand picture of things here, I mean, it's there's times where. You're for me, even personally, I can say this. I'm thankful I'm not out and about and convinced a bartender someone to turn on the product because uh, I see some things there like, oh my god, like, I don't know how would I defend this. <laughs> I, I try not to, I, I try to take great pride in my involvement in professional wrestling, but there's sometimes where you see the embarrassing acts there and it, it, they like Braun Strowman doing the caterpillar. Yeah, well, right? he didn't actually do it. Yeah, right, but it's like <laughs> he shouldn't even be trying. No, it's Braun Strowman, he yeah. should be a freaking monster. This is very true. All right, let's let's go with Carl and myself here. Let's see if Carl can kind of win me back over to maybe even to just to, to weekly WWE television because I honestly, since the last time I've watched either Raw or SmackDown, I believe we're going on almost two months now since I've actually watched a live WWE show. It, uh, honestly, it, it's futile for me to even try. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it really is. You you have gone so far down well. that yeah. rabbit hole yeah. and, and buried your head so far down into the dirt that, that you just don't care. You said yourself that you even canceled the WWE Network, yeah. even though they have all this other amazing programming on there, even though they have all this other informative stuff that they're putting out there. For the first time ever, and I understand that there are illegal ways for you to go and find this stuff. Definitely, I understand yeah. that. Okay. But for myself, this whole Undertaker, the last ride series that they're doing, I am so invested in this right now. This is the first time that we're ever getting a look into essentially the life of The Undertaker. Going from 2017 up to 2020, never Never has this been done before. Taker doesn't do podcasts. Taker doesn't go out there and 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 do videos and 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 show himself in a human manner. This is the first time we're getting to see it. And where do you see it on the WWE Network? Legally, mm-hmm. you want to do it illegally? Yes, there's ways, like we said. But I mean, at, at this point, I unfortunately I I don't think that there is any way to win you back, especially with. And yes, I will have to agree sometimes there's some shit programming that they're putting out there on to weekly television. Definitely there is, but you've, you've just totally dismissed everything. Unfortunately, um, I, I I wish that there was a way that I, that I could say something or do something to, to kind of pull you back in. I mean, other than saying like NXT, you've still got all these great guys in NXT. You've still got the Adam Coles, the Bobby fishes. You've still got, the Kyle O'Reilly's you've still got coming in now. And, and, and even you were kind of excited about this killer cross. Mm-hmm. Like the, these, these are names that are in there. Street profits, another name that you, you're kind of high on. You kind of, you kind of, kind of like the street profits and what they're doing, but because you've now canceled the WWE network and, and have decided that you are anti WWE, well, y- you're, you're missing out on those things. 
Well, in his defense, in his defense, tonight we are going to see the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders square off in an axe throwing contest. <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah. so I mean, yeah, yeah. that's WTF, ridiculous. That's some. Of, that's some of the shit programming yeah. that I'm talking about. So, Why not just have them in the ring? Why not let them but, let them but, fight for those tag titles? Even inside, of, even inside of that, I, mean, I thought it was completely ridiculous this week, and I, I'm still trying to figure out who the rib is directed at. If it's some kind of shot at the revival, hey, you could have been competing for championships, or they're just really trying to humble the Viking Warriors at this point. But if if we look at sports entertainment and what they have presented throughout history, this is nothing. Uh, Big Joe regularly puts over, you know, his his hero, his favorite of all time. Roddy Piper, you know, back in the day as as a over-the-top heel, others alongside of him where you had Terry Funk and you had the Iron Sheik. They did an entire segment or shows throughout a segments throughout a show where they were at a freaking amusement park in a water park doing jokes on a water slide. Uh, and you see this through each generation. So yes, obviously you're going to those are appealing to a different part of the demographic, the different people in the variety show. So you get through those and not just simply focus on those that are completely a turnoff to you. Uh, I mean, yeah. going back, you, Jerry, you just spent quite a bit of time talking about the Money in the Bank match because of its how over the top silly it was. We also had a tremendous wrestling match there between Drew McIntyre and, and Seth Rollins. Well, I'm noticing this pattern now. Where and I think this is one of the things that's actually helping AEW throughout this whole like Wednesday night war thing, right? It's more entertaining to watch the little guys who create a ton of movement than it is to watch these walking brawls. And I think that's one of the like that cruiserweight style is more entertaining to sit down and watch a wrestling match than it is to watch, you know, Moxley just walk around and punch people in the face. But I, I think it it depends on the person too. I mean, and this well, is no, kind of go- in it, these empty arena yeah. settings. Yeah. I mean, specifically yeah. right now on yeah. television, it's more entertaining yeah. to watch a cruiserweight style. Yeah than it is to watch a Drew McIntyre match. Like that yeah. to me, that was the only thing that suffered with the Drew McIntyre and Seth Rollins match. It yeah. was a good match if you're sitting there waiting for the crowd pops to come. Yeah. See, you like know? I... but it's just inside of an empty arena context, it's so slow and yeah. methodical that it's just it's boring for me to watch yeah. without an audience. See, I it's mean, like watching stand-up comedy without an audience. Yeah, because I mean, like I, going back, I mean, I could watch. You want to talk like walking brawls? I mean, I could watch Piper and Snuka walk and brawl like for like until the end of time, right? I think it depends on on the, the people as well because I think that's one thing that that's changed too is that uh, you know we're talking about these stars that we can kind of relate to. I think I get more enjoyment when I'm kind of more of like an, uh, in awe of these people. It's like wow, I'm really amazed. I know I can never be like them, and I think that's an aspect of it that I find more entertaining. Now, Carl had mentioned that I'm completely shut off from WWE. Not necessarily the case. I'm very much like Jargo in this case. It's not that I'm really, really anti-WWE. I just want them to be good. I mean, I've been a fan of them since we were kids. And I guess I, I hold it to a higher standard that, and I put it above a lot of other things. I just want it to be good. It's not that I, I hate on them just because I want to see them fail or I want to see them go off into oblivion. I want them to be good. 
But just just right now, I mean, I just I, I get so much more enjoyment of the other professional wrestling out there. The WWE just isn't doing it for me. There are segments and stuff that I do like. I, I, I'm not going to completely shit on everything. There are some some small things that WWE does do well. This Undertaker thing, I haven't watched yet, but I know it's going to be good. I'm going to find some way to check it out. They do some good stuff. But for me, when it comes right down to it, for professional wrestling, I get more entertainment out of it when the entertainment is actually happening in the ring. That I get more enjoyment out of That's why I think I like the New Japan product so much more, is that the entertainment aspect of is actually what's happening in the ring as opposed to this other stuff. There are this other stuff I do like, but just the way that a lot of it is executed lately, like this uh, worm thing with uh, Strowman, like, you know, pouring uh, wet dog food on, um, what was it, Roman Reigns or, uh, you know, Baron Corbin, that kind of stuff. Like just it, even back then, it, I wouldn't have enjoyed that. So that's kind of where I'm coming from with this whole deal. Well, and it's, it's people just have to realize that with the exception of about five <clears throat> or six years, this is the WWE product. Mm-hmm. This has always been the WWE product. I mean, really, with the exception of, you know, the, the from the curtain call until the death of Chris Benoit, mm. like th- that gap in time, WWF, WWE was really, really good. That's it. I mean, when you look at the historically, what we have right now is the same crap that we were seeing, you know, in 1985 from the WWF. Yeah. It's well, I, same more corny so BS. I think now, though, that you see it more that it's involving main event talents where you did mm-hmm. have that you, you had that group that was on your roster that was a part of the show. You know, beloved, that's where people are always, oh, why are they in the Hall of Fame? It's full because of like the contributions of a Coco Beware or the Bushwhackers and what they brought on that level of the card. And then you could focus more if it, you know, you knew what the Intercontinental Championship for the most part, you were getting your technical aspect of this thing, yeah, outside of maybe the Warrior run. Uh, you, You knew you were getting your larger than life, you know, just traditional, I mean, classic storytelling with the main event scene around Hawkamania or who it might have been there. Yeah. So I, and it's now we are seeing that shift where it's into the main event and it's becoming more of a focal point instead of a compliment. And I think, yeah, I think but- things are getting a little too personal. Like even this uh, recent thing with Becky Lynch, I, I probably have a really unpopular opinion about that, uh, that I think that that should have just been like a brief uh, announcement on the, on the website or on social media. I think turning into a segment, I think buries or compromises the man character. Um, but Again, unpopular opinion. I, I, I mean, it was it was a, a good heartfelt moment, but I felt like it didn't need to be a WWE TV segment. I'm much more worried about what they do with Seth Rollins going forward than I am with yeah. much. He looked almost kind of sad, like during the, that show, the clips I saw. It well, almost looked like he, I don't know. And it, you have to combine all of that with you know the handshake and mm-hmm. and everything that he had with Drew McIntyre the night before, and yeah, you know, there, there's so many different factors there. Yeah. But if you're trying to turn Seth Rollins babyface again, it's you know mm-hmm. you're you're starting to get into Randy Orton territory. True. Well, and I mean you get the next night if you didn't pick that up. I mean he goes out there and busts. I mean he's an all whacked out whack job. He's in another <laughs> world and ends up injuring Ray. Yeah. So it's. It is going to be interesting how they handle this thing. It, I'm with Joe not to get into a spinoff conversation. I'm okay with what they did it on television. The whole timing presentation of this thing mm. was a real right. Again, another attempt in the right direction, but completely missing the yeah. mark. And, yeah. and another thing briefly on that too, because I know 
uh, again, an unpopular opinion when it comes to Asuka. I know uh, Carl and I have never really been fans of her, you know, when it comes to the talent and the, the character. Like, her mannerisms and everything during that completely took me out of the moment. She was going, do all this flailing. You can't even understand what she's saying. It, um, for that to have felt like a real kind of good, legitimate moment, I think you needed to have her just kind of kind of react subtly. She was kind of, like, flailing her arms around and, and getting all kind of whatever that was. Um, that ruined was that, that moment for me. Was that not consistent? with the Asuka character. It doesn't make it good, though. <laughs> yeah, irrelevant. Yeah. Completely irrelevant. Is that not how the Asuka character would react? Yeah, it is, I guess. Yeah. So at least it was authentic <laughs> inside sure. of the WWE universe. And it, yeah. and I, I feel this way about a lot of the talents right now. Like yeah. I, I feel like a lot of the talents that worked in Japan are thriving right now inside of this modern day coronavirus empty arena thing because they know how to wrestle in front of silence. Hmm. Yep. That's a fair they're, point. They're, it, it, it doesn't matter what Japanese talent it is. When you watch them, they're much more vocal. They, they don't have to, it doesn't seem so forced. I mean, even somebody like AJ Styles, that's one of the reasons that AJ is thriving right now, because when you watch him wrestle, you can also hear him wrestle and it doesn't sound forced. And that's just because they wrestled in Japan where people sit and they watch the matches and they applaud when they're supposed to, and they boo when they're supposed to. But most of the time they just sit there and watch. Yep. Another aspect that I really like, uh, with Japanese wrestling as opposed to the American style, but, uh, you know, and I also paw pretty hard during this because uh, actually a little while ago, Jergo turned into a cat holding onto the IWGP uh, Heavyweight Championship belt. I, I paw pretty hard when that happened. It's Daryl Takahashi. Respect. <laughs> that was pretty good, man. All right, guys. Well, um, I don't know if, if we changed anybody's mind here, but we definitely got some viewpoints out there. And um, it's one of those things where, I mean... Um, having different opinions. I mean, it's what makes conversations interesting. And, uh, at the, at the very least the takeaway from all this is that it still has us talking about the stuff, which I think is uh, still, uh, an important and a good thing. So, um, before we do go though, uh, let's make sure and, um, give everybody a chance to, to plug away here. Uh, I'm going to let you go first, uh, Mr. Jargo and uh, let us know about, uh, what you kind of have on the go outside of what we're doing right now. You know, for somebody who quit podcasting, it sure seems like I'm podcasting a lot, <laughs> right. but I'm, but I'm really not. Um, Huckleberry and I, we're, we're going to be sitting down tomorrow, maybe Wednesday, um, kind of see how things fall when they're going to show this Game 6 movie. Um, because I do want to see that. Maybe we'll incorporate that into the final episode of Running with the Bulls, the, the review of The Last Dance that we've been doing here at the HTM Podcast Network as well as over at Hameen Media. And uh, it sounds like, according to President Harold. At least there is a plan in place for New Japan Pro Wrestling to return sometime in the not-too-far-off future, we hope. Um, Also saw Hiromu Takahashi came out with an idea the other day, and he says, you know, um, we we had to cancel Best of the Super Juniors, but we have the G1 coming up, so why don't we run both tournaments simultaneously and uh, have Best of the Super Juniors during the G1 climax. So, you know, if your head doesn't explode from one <laughs> giant round robin tournament, we're going to throw two of them at you at the same freaking time. Wow. Um, which is exciting and kind of plays into this whole idea of Tetsuya Naito versus Hiromu Takahashi inside of the Tokyo Dome at Wrestle Kingdom next year with all the gold on the line. It, it's a fantastic story. I'd love to talk about it. Uh, if Billy Ray Valentine 
will lift his ban on New Japan Pro Wrestling so that they can return to action. You'll be able to listen to Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast, destino.podbean.com. It very well could be available here on the HTM Podcast Network as well as over at Hami Media. So um, keep your eyes open for that. Otherwise, keep up with me across all social media at NotJargo, even though I probably won't talk to you because, you know, social media distancing. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, and uh, what about you, Rick? Well, uh, currently currently out there for your listening pleasures. And each and every Monday morning, uh, you can join myself alongside uh, the great minds of Ben Hameen and Dr. Manby's Ted McNaylor on the Monday Locker Room as a part of the Hameen Media Group. Then uh, I'm back again at it on Tuesdays with my main man, the man at the grill position, Big Joe, producing the shows. Uh, that's the Hot Tag WrestleCast dropping on Tuesday afternoons. And then one more ride. The, the last dance, the final ride with Jargo and I covering uh, the, this tremendous documentary with the Bulls. It's available across all those incredible platforms that he had mentioned there. You can also keep up with me personally. Rick Vickery across all social media platforms at The Real RBV. Awesome. And before we go, uh, Carl, uh, let's uh, know a little bit about our friends over at CollarAndElbowBrand.com. Definitely CollarAndElbowBrand.com, an amazing company that started up a few years ago and has made an impact in the world of professional wrestling apparel. That's right. Go to CollarAndElbowBrand.com. There you will find some amazing quality t-shirts, hats, shorts, jackets, everything to cover up your body except for socks and underwear. But who knows, maybe coming soon. Go to CollarAndElbowBrand.com. The link is available at all of our social media, at TBTalkPod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And make sure that you use promo code JKPODCAST. That will not only save you 10% off your order, but also gives us just a tiny bit of a kickback so that we can continue bringing you these amazing quality podcasts every single day week could have said it better myself carl all right to get us out of here normally i would kind of give us the sign off but since we have jargo and rick on here uh i'll uh, give jargo a chance to kind of send us uh, off for the episode here this week all right well i guess when it comes to hitting the turnbuckle we're off like a prom dress see ya it's me, it's me, it's an honor to be the beat. As you can tell in the background, we are out celebrating. That is what we do here at HittingTheMarks.com. And I invite everyone to continue to tune in to Turnbuckle Talk, but check out all of our other shows here. You can find that all at HittingTheMarks.com. Run.